0: Hey everybody, this is Greg Pettix, and you are listening to the 29th issue of Fantasy Comic Book Editor League. I've been clearing out my files. Um, I threatened to do this uh, a long time ago, but um, and I did a little of it. But I've been finding all my old crazy lists and stuff, and all the my earliest fantasy comic book editing jobs. And I uh, came across, I think my earliest one... In, in a notebook, a wide-ruled notebook from 1978 with Ace Frilly from Kiss on the cover. I still own this. Uh, lots of sketches of weird characters. Um, there's a, I have a whole slew of barbarian characters. Moon God, <clears throat> Vigor, Cutlass, Jason Condor, Jeremy Wolf, and Hawk Lord. And I have little really bad drawings of all of them. And I I didn't have colored pencils, so I made a little key of like what their colors were like. Their shoes, brown, shorts, red, belt, brown. Oh, God. And then there's just random little sketches really badly drawn. I could never draw very well. Um, me just doing random credits for a handful of comics from my collection Captain America number 220. I tell you the title, the credits. Who's the guest star, the villain? Batman Family with Man Bat by Michael Golden. And uh, I don't know why I would do this instead of uh, studying. um, I have a comparison of the Squadron Supreme and the Justice League explaining so I could explain to myself, oh, yeah, Hyperion, he's the Superman analog and Dr. Spectrum, that's Green Lantern. I had to keep that all straight, of course. So, um, I have a small listing for the cataloging DC Comics Presents, who the guest stars were, and that team up title, and the artists and writers. But here's the one where I really start delving into crazy editing. Um, I have a little listing for my company, which doesn't, never existed, Wonder Graphics. And they would publish, um, a magazine called Cutlass. See, I kept using the same titles for everything. And that would have comics, illustrated stories, full-page art, and spot illustrations. So I think I was um, influenced by some of those fantasy um, fanzines I'd get, like Weird Book. And I have a list of all the artists I'd like to be in it. A lot of famous fan artists of the time, of the late 70s, mid to late 70s. Um, A lot of them did science fiction books. And then the second magazine, which I have a more extensive thing, is Oblio, which I guess I named after the character from The Point by Nilsson, because I loved that growing up. I don't know why I thought that would be a good name for a comics fanzine. But I have the first four issues with the page numbers of how long they would all be. And number issue number one, front cover, Marshall Rogers, front piece by Michael Plug, back cover by Mike Nasser. There'd be a Marshall Rogers interview and an index. An article about Weird World, illustrated by Mike Plug. An Atlas Comics article, of course. Uh, a Man Bat comic strip by Bill Lewis. I don't know how I figured I'd get the rights to do Man Bat. Oh, I guess because Mitch O'Connell, the famous kitschy artist, he used to have a fanzine back then called Lollapalooza. And it was boggled everyone's mind because he actually had a Batman story in it. I guess he has such a small fanzine, he called up DC and said, Hey, can I just do this Batman comic? I'm going to sell through injured comics. It's not going to really compete. And they let him do a Batman Joker comic. And so I figured I could do the same thing. A lot of this is also based on the magazine Wizard, which is a really great fanzine of the late 70s. Good interviews with all the artists I liked. Full indexes of all their work. Um... Lots of good articles, but mostly great interviews. And they interviewed all my favorites, like Marshall Rogers, Mike Golden, Mike Nasser. Amazing fanzine uh, if you're a nerd like me. Uh, there's a centerfold poster by John A. Mohammed, who was a fanzine artist at the time, did funny animal stuff. Um, 2098 comic strip by Rick Burchett. Uh, Rick Burchett went on to be a professional, uh, mostly for DC and First Comics. But I don't. I have no clue what Twenty Ninety Eight was about. I imagine some kind of science fiction comic strip. That's going to be eight pages from twenty two to thirty one. There's an art gallery. Mike Nasser, Joe Rubenstein, Fred Hembeck, and Pat Broderick. A Nightwing story. So I guess I was going to have prose superhero stories about this character Nightwing. He probably was a Batman ripoff. But then I'd have album reviews and movie reviews. Rounding out the issue So that seems to be the format for every issue Next issue, number two John Byrne cover George Freeman front piece, Frank Miller back cover Of course there's a John Byrne interview And in an index, an article about Captain Canuck Illustrated by George Freeman uh, The the Canadian superhero That I loved um, Oh, and then the Spee Rat comic strip My brother, there's a sketch of him That my brother drew in here where he had this little character that was like a parody of the spirit But he was a rat So he's the spear rat And uh, so that would be by my brother Pat Pettix Five pages uh, I put in a correction page Because uh, I knew I was an idiot Even in my fantasies I'm fucking up And I need corrections on the next issue Centerfold by Rudy Nebrez. Um Yeah, this usual suspects Art Gallery, Mike Golden, Frank Miller, John Byrne, Mike Ploog Issue number three, I get, ooh, a Richard and Wendy Peeney interview and an article about ElfQuest illustrated by Wendy Peeney, who also does the cover. Um, A New Heroes article? I don't know if that's about the Neil Adams portfolio where he had all these heroes that he made up. Um, Yep, just more insanity. And the fourth issue and the final one I cataloged was a Mike Grell cover. With an interview, index, and an article about Warlord. Illustrated by Mike Grell. Oh, there you go. I got a Batman story by Dave Hazelwood. I figured I could corral that. Centerfold poster by Neil Adams. So I don't know. Some of the centerfolds are by these totally, like, fan artists that never went on to do anything. And then I just figure I'll have Neil Adams. I don't know why I didn't have Neil Adams do every centerfold. So this is my probably my earliest crap. Um, Then I just have lots of lists, which isn't just cataloging and I can't believe how like tiny the print is how anal retentive it is but this is kind of fantasy editing where I wanted to restart Marvel Tales the Spider-Man reprint comic and I wanted to make it it's insane so basically I'm just saying oh reprint of Spider-Man number one and a letters page but there'd be new material by Todd McFarlane I guess at the time I was influenced by X-Men Classic or Classic X-Men, which had the to fill out the issues because they had no ads. would have new stories by Chris Claremont and John Bolton filling in the blanks of the original comics. And so I'd tell you who the cover is, what the new material is. This is really nuts. And it seems like I changed. Like the first year, it's all McFarlane doing the covers and any extra space for new material. But then the second year... Starting with number 13... I have some... Arthur Adams... uh, Chris Wozniak... Charles Vess... Mike Zach Frank Miller... He of course does the Daredevil issue... Reprinting Amazing Spider-Man number 16... George Perez... Who of course will do the Sinister sinister Six story... From the Amazing Spider-Man annual number 1... Because George Perez could draw lots of characters... John Byrne... And then the third year... McFarlane comes back and does everything. Well, mostly it's just covers. And um, then there's... And then the fourth year, which I never finished, it looks like Mike Golden is going to be the cover artist. But man, that's some intricate shit for something that doesn't need to exist. Um, On the back of here, I had... I guess even before I had Amazing Comics in my head... I had a, a magazine called Comics Weekly with Just in Time by Carl Barks, which you know of from my amazing comics episodes. All these re- great reprints, The Spirit, Crazy Cat, Eight Page of Random Classics, Dreams of a Rarebit Bit Fiend by Winsor McKay, Zorro by Alex Toth, the wonderful uh, Toth Zorro comics from the 50s from Dell, Kinder Kids. And then I would have six pages of Wally Wood drawing myths, Greek myths, So I just, not only am I in a delusional comic book editor, but I just repeat myself over and over. And then I have this other idea for a magazine called Zero Weekly, which, of course, I recycled as Zero, illustrated in uh, amazing comics. And I say, cover by Burke Breedhead from Bloom County, contents page, two pages of stuff, one page of reviews, four-page color thing of Bill Sankovich. It's just called Myth. I don't know what that would be. just a short story by Bill Sankovich. Interview with Burke Breedhead. An article that just says, it's called Manifesto. So I don't know if I'd just be talking about comics and and then reprints of Dreams of a Rarebit Fiend, Kinder Kids, Crazy Cat, and Outland by Burke Breedhead in the back. So I don't really remember that one. That's weird. Then I just have catalog lists of stuff. I have I have every issue of Epic Illustrated. I've gone up to like number 30-something or 28. Every single issue catalog where I tell you the story title, um, the, the writer-artist of each story, a brief synopsis of the story. Here's a where a spaceman and a woman become aware they are characters in a comic story. Uh, the next one, an emergency broadcast system test Herald's Armageddon. Because these were all like short little stories, like heavy metal, but it was Epic Illustrated. So it's got the cover, the month it came out, and then every single story, how long it was, who wrote and drew it, and a synopsis. Fucking nuts. Oh my god. No wonder I never got laid until I was 22. I also have, I don't know if I was working, I guess I was working on an American flag encyclopedia. The comic book American Flag by Howard Chaikin came out in the early 80s from first comics. Uh, really great science fiction comic. A lot of world building. He creates all these like... He makes the setting very, you know, detailed and colorful. So I wrote down every single reference. Bob Violence. Uh, American Plex Press. Jerry Rig Firearms. Because there's lots of advertising in American Flag. So every single product advertised that he made up. Mark Thrust, Trumplography, which, by the way, Trumplography was Howard Chaykin. He invented CGI. In the early 80s, he surmised that this actor, the main character, Ruben Flagg, he loses his job because they replace him with this computer-generated version of him, so they don't need him to actually act. And they call it Trumplography, which, of course, is obviously CGI. He predicted that shit. Kind of amazing. So... That's the cataloging I did. And I also found... Where is this thing? we well, will get back to this on another show. Because... Well, I guess I could talk about this now. It's... So, Amazing Comics Group, the, the delusional fake comic book company I talked about for 27 episodes, that all started as this weird like almost mental exercise on where I was making remaking the Marvel Universe but limiting myself to all the characters that Jack Kirby didn't really have a hand in. So basically it's everything after 63, even though Jack Kirby created many characters, as far as the foundation of the Marvel Universe, all the characters he created in the beginning, like Thor, Hulk, Fantastic Four, we don't have access to them. I don't know why. Um, Strangely enough, the X-Men are allowed in. I figured because Jack Kirby didn't seem to invest in the X-Men. I think he just drew it because Stanley was like, Hey, Jack, we need you on this new title. He left after, like I think, eight issues. Ten at the most. Um, It just seemed like it wasn't like, Oh, yeah, I created these amazing, interesting characters. They seem pretty rote, those characters. That's why the X-Men sucked when it came out. So I have a whole list here I went through every single Marvel history, and I wrote down any character that came out of those things. So, for example, since I have the X-Men in my universe, any character um, introduced in the X-Men, I would have access to as well. So, I would have Havoc and Polaris, and um, even the Dazzler later on, I guess. And... And I also have Spider-Man because that was Steve Ditko and Doctor Strange. So I'll try to tell you. This is kind of weird. So in January 1960, once again, I come out with Amazing Tales. So I guess it wouldn't be called Marvel. Um, probably should be called Marvel Tales. And that's various. Um doesn't say what it is. And then we wait a little while. Then July 62, because that's when Spider-Man debuted. We have Spider-Man by Steve Ditko. So I figure we don't have Jack Kirby in July 63. Our new title is X-Men. But by Bruno Premiani, who drew the Doom Patrol at Marvel's rival DC at the time, which came out at the same time, which a lot of people, it seems weird that they came out the same month, but it's almost like DC's X-Men. They're like kind of misfit heroes that don't really belong. Um, July 64, Daredevil comes out, drawn by Gene Colan right off the bat. He would take over Daredevil many years later And do it for many years Of course, July 65 I gotta have my The Furies team Because I love uh, You know, Super Team Avenger type groups And I I was gonna have Don Heck draw it I guess I felt like I couldn't have any real heavy hitters Other than Ditko And uh, these other guys Because we didn't have Kirby to draw it So sure, we'll get Don Heck I forgot to say, in July 63, Amazing Tales is going to start printing in uh, a a split book. Doctor Strange by Ditko, and then Tales of the Ancient One by Wally Wood, which would kind of be like jumping all over his whole life. So it would be random tales. So now, this is what we got to work with. That's the basic foundation. So in July 66, we give Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch uh, their own book from the X-Men. Uh, I don't know if they had the legs to carry their own book, but we don't have many characters here. And that's going to be drawn by young Jim Apparel, who was just kind of working at Charlton at the time. So, um, July 67, I got... uh, So, because Steve Ditko's working for us, and he doesn't leave, he's going to create the question for us. So... He's going to, the question, the famous Charlton comic that Steve Ditko created, a precursor to his Mr. A, kind of an extreme hero who saw everything in black and white. And Spider Man will be taken over by Ross Andrew. So Steve Ditko can start the question. July 68, Mimic, who is a character from The X Men who was in like two issues. I don't know why I thought he could carry his own title. Like, I think I was just had nothing to, I was desperate. So Mimic is going to be drawn by Murphy Anderson. We're stealing him from D.C. And I can't even picture that being a decent comic. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. In July 69, Doctor Strange gets his own comic. And uh, Steve Ditko's going to draw that. He's going to come back to it. I don't know why, but he is. And that means the question will be taken over by a young Dick Giordano, another Charlton stalwart at the time. And Dick Giordano, you know, kind of if you can't get Neil Adams back then, get Dick Giordano. So I guess I wanted the question to look more like that. And then in January 1970, Amazing Classics, which would start reprinting shit. January 71, Amazing Team-Up, which would have Spider-Man teaming up with various heroes every month, just like in our reality. But now we get a few more creations are created. So by July 72, we're going to give Morbius, the living vampire, his own comic. And we're going to get Tom Sutton to draw that. Because Tom Sutton was always good at the spooky shit, right? Um, and that premiered in Spider-Man. Also premiered in Spider-Man. Wolf will get his own title in July 73. And that'll be drawn by Pablo Marcos. And uh, I've talked about Pablo Marcos before. Pretty competent artist, especially for like stuff like that. I wouldn't really want him drawing a superhero comic, but he's drawing, you know, Man Wolf, which is like a—he's not a werewolf; he's a man wolf. Um, that same year, X Men will be taken over by Dave Cockrum, so I guess Bruno Premiani's leaving. July seventy four. The Punisher is going to get his own series, ten years before he got it in our world. But then again, we were desperate enough to try it because he was introduced in Spider Man a few years earlier. And we're going to get Larry Hammer to draw that. Which makes sense because Larry Hammer was a total military guy. That's why he uh, created most of the G.I. Joe characters. And um, so that's going to be the Punisher. That year, the Furies will be taken over by George Perez. I always want George Perez to take over anything that's like the Avengers. Just like I did an Amazing Comics group. So I guess that means Don Heck way past his bedtime. God, in 74, Don Hex sucks so bad. In the mid 70s, DC was using him. It, his, his art was just. I remember being a kid buying it, comics, and if he, there was a Don Hex story, I'd almost want to th- rip it out the pages. Next up is Nighthawk, who I think first appeared in Daredevil. So, one of our comics, he, he was a character, side character, in a couple issues. So, but I figure we need characters, and Nighthawk always looked really cool. He had a cool costume. Nighthawk led the Defenders for many years. That was his claim to fame. We're going to get Pat Broderick to draw it. See? It's all the same names. I just keep uh, doing these fantasy comic book editing things. And I just keep plugging in the same shit. July 76, the new title is Spider Woman. And it's going to be drawn by Bob Budiansky. Bob Budiansky mostly did like editing and production. But whenever he did draw, he had a really nice, slick superhero style. I wish he drew more, especially in the 70s. Every now and then I'd do a cover. And it was usually like the better cover, best cover that month from Marvel. Um, that year, Spider Man will be taken over by Keith Pollard, very competent, clean artist. He's, I think, he did Spider Man for a long run, um, and so I guess uh, Ross Andrews gone. Then in July '77, once again, Shade the Changing Man will be the new title by Steve Ditko, because he's working for us. So all of his new characters, he'd be publishing through us. And that year, Doctor Strange will be taken over by Sandy Plunkett. Sandy Plunkett, another... I don't know what the hell happened to Sandy Plunkett, but... I don't even know if it's a he or she. If Sandy, I th- could be a she. Sandy Plunkett did a few backups at Marvel. They would just pop up every now and then, like little five-page things here and there. Did a few covers. So fucking good. I don't know what the hell Sandy Plunkett did with the rest of his career. I should look it up. But he was one of the best artists of the 70s in superhero comics he was really really good kind of like he could stand tan sorry toe to toe with like p craig russell back then and you know those really interesting illustrative artists like that interesting great style really good artist i don't know what the fuck happened okay july 78 paladin the soldier for a fortune mercenary uh premiered in daredevil a few years earlier so we're giving him his own comic he had a marvel premiere issue back around that time uh, that i loved it's a actually pretty good issue if you want to check it out in the back issue bins it's don mcgregor wrote it and tom sutton drew it beautifully just a one-shot paladin so those would be you know kind of more down-to-earth stories paladin doesn't go out fighting galactus and shit and that's gonna be drawn by gene day the legendary short-lived gene day Um, That year, The Question will be taken over by Trevor Von Eden, that young Turk. And um, yeah, Trevor Von Eden's great. Now that I think about it, it's very weird that I never squeezed him into Amazing Comics Group. But you know the Amazing Comics Group. If I didn't mention him, they're doing lots of shit for us. We just didn't mention it. They're doing fill-ins, backups, and the anthologies and all that shit. Torpedo, July seventy-nine the new title, by Ron Wilson. This is how limited I was. I just felt like, oh, I can't get the really good artists. This company won't be that great. So I'll get Ron Wilson, who was pretty crappy. Just a very work-a-day Marvel-style guy. Um, actually, I should—I don't know if crappy might be too strong a word. Nah, it was pretty crappy. It's, it's apropos. So then um, January 1980, Alpha Flight will appear. Because Alpha Flight started in the X-Men. And that's going to be drawn by, I don't know why, it's going to be drawn by Bob Hall. Oh, I figured I couldn't get John Byrne. That's why. Um, at the very least, I could have got Dave Cockrum to draw it, though. I don't know what I was thinking. Because he's been drawing X-Men for, I don't know, seven years. He could have switched over. So Alpha Flight. And then uh, that year, Daredevil will be taken over by Frank Miller. So I don't know why I thought I could get Frank Miller. And not get John Byrne. I don't understand the logic of teenage Greg Pettix. Um, January 1981. Star Jammers. The science fiction characters that premiered in the X-Men. Um, so that would be a different kind of comic. Just great science fiction. These colorful characters getting adventures in space. And I was going to get Marshall Rogers to draw that. Once again. I yeah, I can get Marshall Rogers. But I can't get fucking John Byrne. Um, that year, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch is taken over by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. I don't know why I didn't get him in earlier. Why I had fucking Keith Polar drawing Spider-Man when I could have had Garcia Lopez. Man, I was I was a bad comic book editor back then, huh, guys? I really got better. I've really improved. So in January 82, <clears throat> the new title will be Mockingbird, um, drawn by Jerry Bingham. And I don't, I'm not quite sure where Mockingbird premiered, but it must have been in one of the, either the X, not the X-Men, maybe Daredevil? So Mockingbird, she was a pretty cool female character. She just had this big staff, pretty low-level superhero. Um, That's why she hung out with Hawkeye. They were kind of evenly matched as far as like barely being able to take on more than three muggers, but that could be good. And Mimic will be taken over by Walt Simonson. So once again, I don't know why we didn't get Walt Simonson earlier, if we can get him now. And in January 83, the last uh, new title I have chronicled, which is actually the one I would like to read the most, even though it's a real comic from our reality, Cloak and Dagger by Rick Leonardi. And Cloak and Dagger appeared in Spider-Man, so we got him in our faux marvel universe but yeah the list of all the characters i actually went through every single marvel you know catalog and figured out okay if i have x-men and daredevil what ancillary characters can i get i noticed that i didn't give dazzler her own comic i wouldn't sink that low but who yeah electra's on the list i could electra should get a comic soon if i kept going with this but i won't I also see earlier versions of the Amazing Comics group in here. Um, ones that just started in 1960. And uh, over the years, I've added decades and decades to it. So it starts in 1940. But, um, yeah, that's weird. Uh, I guess I have a few minutes left. And this is... I mean, you I've already proven how insane I am with this episode. This is pretty nutty. But I think I want to go back to Amazing... I'm sorry, Atlas Comics. There's a few more things I wanted to say about Atlas Comics. Uh, Because I can't... To be honest, since I recorded it yesterday, I listened to it. I haven't been able to stop thinking about the possibilities. First of all, I want to say November 74, Weird Tales of the Macabre. That was actually the name of their black and white horror comic. They were trying to go head-to-head with Warren comics. So Atlas had some really good black and white comics. Um, They only lasted a couple issues each. But if you can ever get your hands on Thrilling Adventure Stories, the second issue, one of the best comics of the 70s. It's got, like, Neil Adams cover. It's got Alex Toth. It's got Walt Simonson drawing a samurai tale. It's John Severin doing a brilliant, beautiful World War II story. It is just, it's such a good comic. And I think it's not that expensive because nobody really knows about it. But that's something I didn't mention, our Definitely would that black and white line would be a big thing of Atlas. Because it seemed like a lot of small publishers, it was a good niche to get into. Because, you know, Marvel didn't have... There wasn't that much competition, not from DC, of course. They had no black and white titles. Well, they tried for like two issues. Marvel had some. but And Eerie, of course, Warren did. But a lot of the newer publishers, that's the field I'd get into. It was kind of hard to make color comics and go head-to-head with the big two. But, uh, yeah, so Weird Suspense is actually the name of the the color horror comic. I also thought it's a shame that there's all these other characters in Atlas that I didn't give titles to because I didn't want the line to be as big as they did. But there was, like, Bog Beast, which was their swamp thing. There was the Brute, who was kind of their Hulk, but Michael Fleischer created it. So it was fucking Psycho Hulk, where he's this Neanderthal who's thawed out now or in the 70s and there's like one issue where he just brutally kills a kid and eats him even though he's the protagonist of the story so it's very strange michael fleischer being weird again and uh so i was figuring there should be like an atlas spotlight comic or something like that atlas premiere starting in the first month so all these other characters could get a little run people could see if they liked them and I also just forgot to mention, guys, you got to look up Iron Jaw, because he literally had an iron jaw. He was this barbarian with this big iron jaw. So he kind of looked wicked cool. But, um, yeah, I don't even know why I'm going back here, but I couldn't stop thinking about Atlas. All day I've been thinking about it since yesterday. And uh I think there's uh, a few things I wanted to mention. Oh, yeah, I guess the thing was is that I forgot that we start Judge Dredd Prince in late 77 in this in this fake Atlas comics. So I figure we got a connection with 2000 AD in the English scene. So I'm thinking we got Bog Beast. We have all these horror superheroes, you know, that aren't your typical superhero shit. And so I'm thinking, man, starting in the late 70s, maybe the British comic invasion of American comics that happened in the early 80s, thanks to DC. Maybe we would have gotten that first. Maybe in 1980, we would have had Alan Moore writing Bog Beast for us, and that would have been Swamp Thing. And uh, Son of Dracula would have been, could have been written by, uh, I don't know, Grant Morrison, and Pat Mills could have, could have done some of our science fiction titles. Could have brought back Planet of the Eight Vampires or something, made it more satirical. So all these things I was thinking about. and um, But I definitely think the magazine line would have been really helpful for this atlas. And like yeah, I said, there's not much else I want to talk about. I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And uh, maybe I will actually put some work and keep going on this timeline in the, in the future as I lose my insanity more and more over the years um, when I get dementia. Then I'll come back to this list And actually really rework it and bring it all the way up to the 2020s, what Atlas would have become in uh, my delusional brain. So there you have it. I think that's all of my uh, little... Oh, I forgot one of the earliest ones I have. This is not that exciting. But I found this in a notebook where I found... uh, I guess I wanted to be an editor at DC and I wanted them to have two weekly titles. That would have rotating, you know, short stories sharing the issue. So Adventure Weekly would have Aquaman, Aquaman by Neil Posner and Craig Hamilton and Rick Bryant. That's the team that did that really good-looking Aquaman miniseries in the early 80s. Huntress by Grant and Wagner. I'm already poaching those English guys. And the art would be by, uh, what's his name? Brayfogle? I can't remember his first name. Neil? And uh, Jeff D., so they were drawing a Whisper for first comics. So I figure, oh, they're going to draw another kick-ass woman, Subirah. And then it would be Shade the Changing Man. I get Pat Mills from England to write it because I knew I'd need someone who can write weird. And he wrote Nemesis the Warlock. And it's going to be Steve Ditko and Tony DeZuniga inking Steve Ditko because I was stupid as a kid and thought Steve Ditko's art looked too old-fashioned, so I'd, I'd have Tony DeZunica come in with his heavy pen and totally go over it. Showcase Weekly. That's the second title I have. That would have Blue Beetle by Carrie Bates, who I never liked his writing. I don't know why I'd pick him to write it. And then Chris Wozniak and Gary Martin would ink Chris Wozniak's pencils. Chris Wozniak never drew the Blue Beetle comic, which I collected as a kid, but he did some of the covers, and there was the best art in the series, the covers he did. Adam Strange would be the next feature by John Ostrander. Love John Ostrander's writing. He came out uh, at First Comics during, you know, writing Grimjack. Tons of great stuff. Went on to do many other things. But um, I figure he can do anything, so he could do Adam Strange well. And it would have art by Brett Ewens and Mike DiCarlo inking him. Brett Ewens another, I'm probably saying that wrong, Ewens, Ewens, another great English artist. I think he died young. I think he might be dead, that guy. He died, had some horrible disease. And then last but not least is the Crimson Avenger. 30s, you know, pulp noir type character. One of the first heroes in the DC universe. I think it was like the early action comics. So that would be Retro Tales in the 30s. So, of course, I'm going to have Roy Thomas write it. And the art would be like, would be by David Mazzucchelli. And Richmond Lewis doing the colors, just like, you know, Batman Year One. So I was basically, like, figuring, oh, man, Kelly and Lewis doing a 30s, you know, crime noir type comic. That would be really good. I also have a rotating thing would be Ambush Bug by uh, Fleming and Giffen because I loved Ambush Bug. I still do. So we'd pop up every now and then when the other things needed a break. Oh, my God, there's so much crazy shit here. Then I have this comic, totally different thing, called Triad, 32 Slick-Color Pages. And I basically, it's all the independent graphic novels of the time, but I give them series. So Dragon Flame by Don McGregor and Paul Gullesey. That was a short novel, novella, that Don McGregor wrote, and Paul Gullesey illustrated it. Never read it, but I always see the ads and drool over it, and to this day, I've never read it. But Dragonflame looked fucking cool. He looked like some kind of weird urban ninja. So I figured, oh, we're going to get him to do comics of that. Stuart the Rat by Steve Gerber and getting Michael Golden to draw it. God, I would love to see that comic. This is a really good comic I just made in my head, well, 40 years ago. And then Corbo by Doug Munch and Marshall Rogers. Corbo, nobody, I don't even think anyone remembers that except for me. There was this really small... I think Canadian publisher, black and white. They had like two titles, and one of them was Corbo, who was another like 30s, you know, motorcycle riding, vigilante, you know, that kind of character fighting gangsters in the 30s. It was uh, had a Mike Kaluta cover. The inside art was by this guy, you know, some fan artist. It was pretty terrible. But I thought the concept was sound. So getting like Doug Munch, you know great at writing action stuff and Marshall Rogers to draw it. So yeah, I really wish that comic was real. That's a good one. Good work, Teenage Greg. You were a good editor even then. So um, I guess that's it for this episode. Sorry to try to bring back Atlas Comics. I said I wouldn't, but I couldn't stop thinking about them. Uh, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about next time. I guess I should get to work and start working on the 90s era of Amazing Comics Group. I'm pretty, I've got a lot of the shit mapped out, but not everything. So maybe I'll work on that. There'll probably be a long lag in between this episode and the next. But I will work on that. And I know you really want me to because you're dying to know what happens in the 90s with those guys. Okay, thanks for listening. Peace out.